Campion, at Campion with you. And thank you, Michael, for the opportunity. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you needing something. You know what we need. And we're so grateful we can come to you as a God who can, even if we at times feel empty, you can, you can fill us and you can use us in wonderful ways. Bless us during this communion sermon, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. He was a wealthy young clubber, a nightclub promoter with every gift in the, that the world seems to desire these days, wine, wealth, women's song. Many notable people were his friends, luminaries, multimillionaires. Life was, he thought, good. He had been born into a religious home, but he decided to turn away from that training. He left home, breaking his parents' hearts. They longed for him to return. It seemed day after day, year after year, he did not return. Things were going as far as he was concerned very well, though. And as life was concerned, as far as a worldly wise man, things could not have been better. He was wealthy. He was getting richer by the day. He had all the friends he could ever dream of. He had a wonderful home. But one night, one night, all the glitz and all the glamour suddenly came to an end. He began to think about that question that he had always avoided. He began to think about home and how good home had been. And he began to realize, is this all there is to life? From there, he would make the most important decision of his life. He was 28 years old. He thought his life was set. He thought that everything was as it always would be. But he realized he was bankrupt emotionally. He was bankrupt spiritually. Wealth and talent had drained him. Life was meaningless. Friends and lovers were artificial. He realized he was wasted. He was unhappy. He was alone. He began to see, as he says, the mess I've made out of my life. I was emotionally, spiritually, morally bankrupt. He, bankrupt. he came home determined to make a change and find a way to serve God with authenticity and integrity. It was a huge change for me. The life in the clubs, the cigarettes, the alcohol, I put it all behind me. Today, this man you see in the picture, Scott Harrison, whose story I've just told in brief, is living a devoted life to providing drinkable water to the continent of Africa and beyond to 28 countries so far in the world, 44,000 water projects, 100% of all donations to his nonprofit organization called simply Charity, colon, water. Charity Water has helped millions because he decided one night that there must be more to life than the life he was living. He devoted his life to water. He devoted his life to serving God in some marked manner. Today, we're going to talk about how emptied out this world has become. Maybe you feel emptied out at times, but we can be filled up. We can have a new life. We can be poured out in blessings. And that's really those three points, emptied out, filled out, poured out, or pouring out. We want to keep that continuing. And I love my wife's story today. Thank you. And we want to be filled up. But we also, there's a time, once we're filled up to the brim, it has to be flowing out. Amen? So emptied out. We're going to start right there. 
The most perplexing reality of the story we're going to go to now found in John chapter 2. John chapter 2 of your Bible is that there was no wine. It came to the point in this celebration of marriage that the festivities going along so well. And can you imagine with me, just, just take time to imagine this, the guest list or the people that came. Jesus was there in person at this wedding and his disciples, a number of his disciples were there. It was 10 days after Jesus had left the wilderness of temptation where he'd been tempted by the devil for 40 days. And he'd won a wonderful victory there. And so here he comes with his disciples 10 days after, and you can tell that there's a difference in Christ now after those 40 days of temptation, after he had won this marked victory. But he came to give his blessing to marriage. We need to hear that these days. Marriage is blessed by God. A holy celebration is blessed by God. We've come here today for communion to celebrate that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord and our God. Amen. God loves us. And it's a time to celebrate that. He loves holy convocations. And you might also, just as a sidelight, getting away from my notes just for a second. Read 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 6 and 13. I have come to the place where I believe that Jesus was thinking about that as he came to the marriage feast, where water would be drawn out before the Lord and poured out to God in consecration. And verse 13 of 1 Samuel 7 goes on to say, that from that time, during Samuel's day, the Philistines never again entered Israel, and Israel recovered all that lost territory that had been given away to the Philistines in their apostasy and in their rebellion. Anyway, it was a time of that time in 1 Samuel of fasting and coming together and drawing out water before the Lord. In John chapter 2, it's a time of celebration. Jesus is present. Where Jesus is present, we don't have to be emptied out any longer. Amen. <laughs> so the wedding reception continues. Everything is going well. But then, the unexpected. Isn't life like that? The unexpected happens. And this discovery caused much perplexity and regret, we're told, Desire of Ages, page 145. They tell Mary, and Mary knows where to go when you're emptied out. Mary knew where to go. Whenever you're emptied out, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. I'm not trying to be trite. I'm not trying to be, you know, just something that's always been said. But if we would go to Jesus when we feel empty, he will fill us up. And Mary simply said, they have no wine. And she was hoping for a miracle. She knew the prophecies. She, for the first time in a couple months, had seen her son. She realized what had happened at his river baptism, where he was immersed in the water. She knew him to be the Son of God, but she didn't yet know or understand his mission. 
And she thought this would be the time. So Jesus, they have no wine. And what Jesus says to her in response is uh, quite interesting. You see, Mary is faced with an emergency. And in a, a Jewish wedding service ceremony, celebration, it would go on sometimes for a week, to run out of wine was just unthinkable. So what Jesus said was, woman, what have I to do with you? And as he says that, Mary just calmly is reassured, turns, and helps Jesus accomplish his mission for that day. His mission for that day was to do God's will. Every day of his life, Jesus had a calendar. Every day of his life, he had that, we used to call him Palm Pilots, so he didn't need any of that, I know, but he had his heart set right with God. Every day of his life, he worked with God's calendar. And when he said woman, he used the most endearing term that he could in their culture for a mother or a woman. And then he's basically saying, Mom, I love you. I think we've got this. We'll take care of this. My hour has not yet come. Why did he say that? Because I believe just as Jesus encouraged people in his day that his hour of the cross had not yet arrived, that his ultimate glory to die for your sins and mine had not yet come, that his resurrection day had not yet arrived. He asks us today to think in terms of the fact that my hour has not yet come, I have not yet come again. That's for you and me. That's how we ought to live. But he's saying, I've got this. When you feel empty out, when you have challenges, when things don't go right, when stress has come into your life, know that God still loves you, that God is the one who fills you up when you are empty. Stress is, is a strange thing in how it may control us. I was on my way to an appointment driving, and I had a thought, one thought that came to my mind. It plagued me. It gnawed on me. It gnawed on my nerves. And I was going to an appointment. It was an important appointment. But the thought was this, I just finished eating my lunch, and for whatever reason, I had turned on the stove, and I was uh, out the door and without thinking, and have I turned off the stove? Oh, I had to turn off the stove, you know, I, I mean, I have to turn off the stove, right? Is the stove top still on? And I could not come to peace I could not come to grips with that thought. So after 20, 30 miles of my travel to this important appointment, it finally got the best of me, and I said, it was a stress. So I got on my cell phone, and I said, I'm sorry, I'm going to be running a little bit late. It's maybe even an hour late, but I have to tend to something unexpected has come up. It was that stovetop. I turned around. I went back home raced in the door. I was hoping all the while, I hope the house isn't burning down. Life is full of exaggerations. I run into the kitchen, and sure enough, I turned off that burner. I turned it off. Amen. So I went back and never admitted my lack of memory, but there it goes. This story is one that Mary must have told John. 
the only gospel writer that tells us about it at all. And it was a time of pressure. You know, for us, grapes are something you can buy at the store anytime. Grape juice, concentrate. You can go and buy it. We're, we're out of juice. Go to the store and buy it. But Jesus said, there's six stone water jars here. They each contain 20 to 30 gallons. He said, go and fill them up. They didn't have a store they could go to. And these gallons, I, I did some mathematical calculations. They would be able to serve 2,500 people eight ounces each of grape juice. 2,500 people. I believe when God fills us up to the brim and we don't allow any other clutter into our life, I mean anything else that would come before Christ, when he is the absolute number one in our life and we've surrendered wholly to him and we don't hold anything back, God is then able to fill us all the way to the brim. There's not room for anything else. And then when that happens, what you, you do next is you just pour it out. And so Jesus, he fills up the empty void. Mary knew what to do. She went to Christ. If you feel empty today, go to Jesus. Let him fill you up to the brim. Take time in the Word of God. Talk to a friend. Find a counselor. Do whatever it takes, but let Jesus be the first and the number one only in your life. He'll take care of everything else. He will. I know. And so in John chapter 2, verse 5, filled out. We go to the next verse. Whatever he says to you, Mary said to them, do it. Whatever Jesus says to you, what are we to do? Do it. If Jesus says something to you, he is the power in your life to fulfill what he's asked you to do. This is not about works righteousness, but if Jesus says something to your life, he gives you the power to fulfill it. I believe that with all my heart. God wants us to know that we must be filled with the pure water for that water from our baptism, that water of daily bringing into our life the Word of God, so that can fill us so much that will overflow for the good of others. John 7, 37 and 38 says, If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Streams of living water will flow out of you, it says in that passage as well. And by the end of the book, Jesus is giving his life, his lifeblood on Calvary. And my friends, there's power in the blood of Jesus today. We're told in page 148, 149 of Desire of Ages, the water represented the baptism into his death, and many of us are there. We've experienced that. The wine, the shedding of his blood for the sins of the world. It is a foretaste of his suffering. The water in the story becomes new wine, and that is the punch. I don't mean punches and juice, but that is the punch right there. That is the power of God. No one else could do that. No one else but Christ. 
They were faced with an emergency, and they were faced with an unanswerable calculation, but Jesus simply said, fill up the empty jars. Your life, your empty life can be filled up. All the empty spaces can be filled up by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can live a new life. You can have this water of life. In life's perplexities, he invites us to come to him. I would like to compare it to Philippians 3, if you want to read that later. When we come to Jesus, he gives us power to forget the past, to put the past behind us. We can turn in a new direction, just like repentance is a new direction. When you come to Christ, he does turn you in a new direction. You can forget the past that is behind you, and you can reach forward to the future that Christ has in store for you. You can reach into the future that he makes possible because without him, the future is not possible and neither is the past leaving it behind you possible. And then he fills you up and then he will pour you out for the good of others. So pouring out, John chapter 2, verse 8. When the water was drawn out, he said, draw out the water and give to the governor of the feast. Important person there, the one in charge of the whole festivities. And he has not even had the opportunity yet to know there is no wine. So this is happening immediately. I think we heard recently about immediately and how that is with purpose. And God moves with a purpose. And Jesus moved with a purpose. So all these attendants, they came together. They filled the vessels up to the brim with water. And then when Jesus said, draw it out, we might say, pour it out, it was wine. It was grape juice. It was the pure juice as the wine is in the cluster, Isaiah 65 and verse 8. And there it was. He says, I don't understand this. He called for the groom, the governor of the feast. He calls for the groom and he says, what's happened? Everybody puts the good, good wine out first. And then at the end, that which is inferior, but you have saved the best wine until now. In the meantime, Jesus quietly exits and allows his disciples for the first time in their experience as his disciples to share the good news about Jesus with others. He pours their lives out into the lives of others. And Jesus has quietly gone on his way and they met, meet again in Capernaum. But I want to be poured out for Jesus' sake. How about you? The more you're poured out with God's love, the more new wine you will receive. It is, in fact, an endless supply that God is willing to give you. Not just to, that you've been emptied out and you want to be filled up, but when you're filled up, God will use your life in such a powerful way. You'll be continually being poured out into the lives of others for the goodness and sake and the glory of God's kingdom. Mrs. Black felt like a dehydrated person. She had only attained a fourth grade education. She lived in the slums of Baltimore. And her life didn't present many opportunities to ever get out of the hood. Her existence was sad. She was pregnant. Who would, it would be a little boy who would be born. And someone put one day, someone with a missionary heart, 
a brochure to an evangelistic series that she chose to attend, put it in her mailbox. It wasn't the U.S. mail, it was someone who cared. She took that brochure, young lady expecting a child living in the slums of Baltimore. She decided, I'm going to go. And she went to that series of meetings, not only the first night, but she went 12 weeks in a row. She felt empty when she started. She was filled up, but she began to be poured out for Jesus. She poured her life into her, her son, Barry. And her son, Barry, has two or three doctorates today. He went on to be a rear admiral in the U.S. Navy and the chief of naval chaplains. And today, for the last 18 years, has been the United States Senate chaplain, Barry Black. From that invitation, the Lord filled that, as Barry says himself, that dehydrated woman up, filled her up, and she poured her life into her son. Today, you may feel as though you're emptied out. You may feel as though your life has not been what you wish it would be. But I want to let you know with the power of God's Word and the power of this story, which we claim for you on this communion Sabbath, that your life can be filled with all the goodness of God. He can do for you what you cannot do. He can do it even immediately. But the change can start right now, here today. Would you be like Mary and just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm willing to do anything it takes I'm willing to let you have all of my life, and I will do whatever you ask me to do. If you are willing to make that decision, as we share communion today, as we share this bread and this wine, this new wine with you, you you'll be an overcomer. You will live a new life. Would that be the prayer of your heart? Can I see your hand if it is? God bless you.
as we've gathered today to be filled, to be filled. John 6 and verse 63 says, my words, God says, are life and they are fullness of spirit for you. These young people that recited, thank you Sabbath school teachers and parents, these young people who recited their memory text through song, with recite, reciting them, all 13. That's life. And now Jesus is inviting all of us to come and to take him and to be filled with life and the fullness of his spirit. I've come, he says, to give it to you. And so he's invited us. We don't have to invite him to this place. He's invited us to meet him here. If you are a believer in Christ, you are welcome to participate. Desire of Ages says that through our imagination, we can gather at that cross through this experience. And then, listening this morning, I rose up early and, and listened to the, the Desire of Ages as I uh, typically do, but this week I, I, I turned to the chapters around the cross. And the line that grabbed my attention was, we don't come holy in order to receive this, we receive this in order to be holy. I don't, I don't have to come prepared, fixed up, ready. It's this experience that Jesus is inviting us to. So, so there will be a moment when we take this bread and juice that you may need to bow your head and talk to Jesus. You don't have to take it when, every, when the person next to you takes it. But we're going to invite you to participate. Now, just so you know, if you're watching at home, and you're in the front range or anywhere and you want to participate in communion, you let us know. You call the church office, the pastoral team, the elder team here. If you're in our front range, we'll come to you. We'll make sure you get. If you're somewhere else, we'll put you in touch with someone. But you're welcome to participate. You just let us know. For those of us here, the ushers will be passing through, and there's an, an usher, an odd man out, as it were. Steve will have a plate of gluten-free, and he's just going to be looking for your hand. You just let him know as they pass through, and he'll get you the gluten-free bread. We're going to invite you to pray in consecration of this juice and bread just now. The ushers will remain standing. The three of us here at the front will kneel. We invite you to kneel or to stay seated as you find most appropriate. Dear Lord, we are so thankful that we can come before you, Lord, and be blessed by your presence. And thank you, Lord, so much for the music this morning because it is so true, Lord, that nothing but the blood of Jesus will wash away our sins. Thank you, Lord. Oh, even though we are so unworthy, you still came to this earth and died for us. And you shed that blood that is represented here by the juice that is before us. And we just, I just pray, Lord, that uh, as we partake of that juice, that we'll remember that blood that you shed for us because that's what it represents, Lord. 
uh, and we are unworthy, but we are thankful, Lord, for that love. And we are especially thankful, Lord, that uh, you came to this earth and died and shed that blood that is represented here as the wine as we partake. And I just pray, Lord, as we partake of this wine, that uh, we'll remember the blood that you shed for us, and we will be blessed by your presence throughout the day. Amen. Father in heaven, this morning we have these symbols of your body and your blood. And as we look at the symbol of the bread, Lord, we would invite your Holy Spirit to consecrate it, to bless it for us today, that as we partake of it, that it'll become a part of us. We understand what it is to eat, and every day we need to eat. Oh, Lord, give us a mind and a heart to partake today and gain that strength, and then to consecrate ourselves to every day partake of the bread of heaven as we commune with you, as we spend time in the word, as we spend time in prayer. Oh, Lord, give us our daily bread, I pray. Amen. This, thank you. This is, yes, you may be seated, ushers. This is the most intimate uh, exercise with your Savior. And so while we do it together, I want to remind you that this moment is you and Jesus. And so if those around you or we all are partaking and you need to talk to Jesus, do it. Do it. Listen, we'll, we'll keep an usher here all afternoon. All right? If that's what it takes. But you meet with Jesus. You hear him and you pour your heart out to him. Through this through this humble little service, we joined together with the disciples that night in Matthew chapter 26. Some of us 
are overconfident. Some of us are afraid of what tomorrow will hold. Some of us are harboring bitterness in our hearts. But we're all there around the table. We're all here together. And so Jesus says to us, in taking the bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks again, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for, the, for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine again until I do it again with you in my Father's kingdom. And so Jesus, just hours away from laying down his own life, gives to us the bread and the juice and says, take it, take me, let me into your life, unfettered and unhindered. And so today in this service between you and your Savior, we say, take it and eat and drink all of it.
those who want to be around that table to stand with me. And to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Christ Jesus our Lord before age before all ages now and forevermore amen i invite you to sing with us a stanza as the ushers uh, exit uh, what a jesus what a friend for sinners as is our tradition the offering baskets will be held by the ushers at the back doors. Our invitation is to give as you're able, and that will go to the Good Samaritan Fund here at Campion that serves to bless those in our community who are in need. But we leave, we leave rejoicing. <laughs>